And we're back with the next interview. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for listening, and I hope uh, you enjoyed the show so far. Uh, we had our small anniversary last uh, episode. I promised to bring you more interesting guests uh, to the show, and here we are. Today, we will again touch on a very innovative topic, and it is a proper success story straight from North Poland, uh, Optinav, a company which specializes in machine vision or optical navigation, if you like. Um, the thing is that it was recently uh, acquired by Carl Zeiss Group, and uh, that is what's most interesting for me. I have invited the CEO of Optinav, uh, Arkadiusz uh, Śmigielski, uh, to talk about a very interesting technology developed by his team. A quick reminder before we jump into the discussion, my name is Daniel Czachorowski and you're listening to the Venture Poland podcast. My goal with this podcast is to promote Poland as a great partner for any business venture, especially when it comes to technology. I interview Polish entrepreneurs, startups, managers and engineers to share some of their best insights and expertise so we can all learn from them. Thank you for accepting the invite to my podcast, Arek. How is it going? Hello, everybody. Hi. Everything is fine. Everything is fine. <laughs> Brilliant. One more time, thanks for accepting the invite. It's um, really an honor uh, for me to uh, have you here. Thanks to our mutual colleague. Uh, he told me to contact you directly. Uh, Maciek, he's one of your senior managers, I guess, right now. Okay. And uh, he just told me, talk to Arek. He's a great guy. He's going to share his story with you. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to hear your story today. And I've read a bit about uh, you before the interview, and I had a chance to screen through your book as well, where you share your story. And it seems like we do have some space to talk about failures before we start preaching about uh, the successes. So uh, you had a company which you didn't sell when the opportunity was there, then you bankrupt. And after several years, you're here running a super high-tech venture with your colleagues. Any words of wisdom on uh, perseverance, maybe? A few words of wisdom. Okay. If you can see good opportunity to sell your company, just do it. In our lives, there is only one thing which we can be absolutely sure, the changes. Your company will not always be worth that much, maybe more, maybe less, or maybe it will fall someday. And the question is not whether it will fall, but when and for what reason. So, speaking of uh, perseverance, or in other words, speaking of persistent keeping on the track, uh, I would say that it's difficult to keep the same level of commitment without having fun. I mean, you have to really like what you do, okay. uh, especially in difficult moments. If money is only a motivation, the luck will stop your willingness to go further. So in other words, um, you're still having fun then with, with Optinav right now, I guess. Uh, absolutely, yes. So if you have fun, even without money, you have good memories and willingness to continue. That's the clue. That's it. 
Brilliant. Um, I'm not willing to um, bring all the memories from your book, let's say. I'm trying to keep everything short and as uh, much uh, condensed as it is possible, obviously, for the purpose of, um, you know, sharing some of your experiences to the audience. So I would like to focus right now on Optinough, which is the actual uh, reason for the interview. It is a successful company. When I first uh, looked at the website, I was so intrigued that I immediately, you know, wanted to shortlist you on my podcast. And my question right now is, what was the core idea, the vision behind the company when you started out? My dream was to build something similar to Google or Facebook. At that time, when I started to have the dream, probably similar to Microsoft. I see. For me, that was absolutely clear. I would like to have the company where the smart people do brilliant things, earning well and having a good fun. That was my goal. And that was behind <laughs> this idea of starting up enough. Okay, that's interesting. Because if we go into the details, and I mean, I'm looking from an engineering background, let's say. If you look at automation, machine learning, machine vision, things which are sometimes considered as buzzwords from people from different industries, let's say, it's probably not the easiest thing to do. It's probably not the easiest thing to start with. So the question is why machine vision? Why so difficult area? Uh, as always, by accident. <laughs> okay. And so one of my colleagues just asked me to build a um, device uh, in medical area uh, for implantology uh, surgery. So uh, the question is, or was, what kind of technology we should choose to solve this problem? At the beginning, we started to develop uh, just electronics like uh, based on uh, ultrawave or infrared. Uh, but finally, I found that image cameras are or should be our future, give us uh, much more uh, possibilities. So today, we know that machine vision is going to be more popular year by year in many areas. Uh, for example, in the production industry, we have to control the quality. A few years ago, it was enough to check just a few samples of our production. Uh, today, we have to control everything. And not only uh, in simple way, like, for example, full empty with cap, without cap, black, white, things like that. Today, we have to control very small differences. And human eyes is not always good enough. So we can put a high-resolution camera and special machine vision others to measure, to control, to recognize some features, details. In the future, we'll use much more artificial intelligence in these algorithms. So the future, I suppose, and I hope, uh, is machine vision in many, many areas. For example, we can scan a potato in 3D to see how many potential chips we can cut because McDonald's uh, buys chips of 8 centimeters or longer. So how we can optimize this cutting process. We can measure uh, 
the mass uh, of the glue without touching uh, the glue objects, only using cameras and with accuracy below 0.1 uh, gram. Uh, we can check the quality of fish during uh, production. Uh, for example, fillet color, potential cracks, stains, etc. So we can give uh, the actual absolute position of the robot scanning the object during the quality control process with accuracy of about 0.1 millimeter in 8 square meters. Even uh, with temperature changes. That's the potential and that's the future of machine vision. Alright, so how do you fit into this world? Are those examples things which you do as Optinav or is it just something that it's in general possible? I'm interested in Optinav as a company. What do you bring to the table when it comes to machine vision and your research? I would say we build such a system uh, exactly in the way the more difficult they are, the more engineering fun we have. So <laughs> uh, we are looking for projects where we have fun where uh, nobody uh, before us uh, did it, you know. Any examples? Actually, every <laughs> uh, every single example which I mentioned before, that's our uh, projects. Oh, I see. Okay. So I can I see. multiply such an example. Brilliant. So I don't know, maybe let's just do one of the most recent. Which one you had over last maybe 12 months, which you had the most fun with? <laughs> It depends on the department because we've got in our company a few different departments. Uh, for example, the guy uh, who, who contacted us, uh, Maciej, is the leader of uh, advanced research department. And probably for him, the most exciting uh, project is. Uh, project for automotive industry when we are uh, controlling uh, the, the position of the robots in 3D space. Uh, for example, for medicine department, uh, radiotherapy is more attractive where we are, first of all, positioning the patient during the radiotherapy process. Uh, and second, we can synchronize the accelerator with the breath of the patient uh, when we've got the case uh, of, for example, breast cancer. So in industry, uh, especially uh, integration department, quite attractive probably was the project to test the turbine, uh, automotive turbine, obviously. Uh, so in this process of testing, we have to I control more than 50 parameters in real time. This is very uh, quick electronics. Uh, so two, three weeks, 24 hours a day, and uh, this whole process is running and we are checking and controlling every single parameter. And finally, uh, such a turbine is just killed um, because this is prototype turbine. Okay. So, so many, many, you know, projects. 
we've got six different departments. That's, that's why I suppose in every of them, my colleagues have a lot of fun. I'm sure. When it comes to engineers, I think quite a lot of us, uh, we, we do have some kind of uh, child syndrome from time to time where we actually like to play with our things and, and do things just for fun because we're just curious. So so I can imagine. Engineers are like uh, children, <laughs> small children. That's true. Sure. Okay, so uh, in your view, what's the future of uh, innovations in that field? Any any long-term plans for uh, you as Optinav? Difficult question. It depends on our customer needs. We hope that our technology will be widely used in medicine and industry in the next few years. I'm talking about positioning and navigating technology in 3D space which really supports the work of measuring or quality control robots. In the coming months, we also want to introduce a new product uh, that allows flexible, fast construction of machine vision systems without much knowledge in this area, such a uh, shelf product. You open the box, uh, configure it in an intuitive way I see. and works. So that's, that's our plans. Okay, um, question from a bit different angle now. And again, when I look at your website and check the team tab, I can't find any salespeople there. Excuse my French, but how the hell did you manage to build Optinav without dedicated business development team? <laughs> Good question. Obviously, for many years, I personally deal with the sale of our systems. Later, there was a small two-person uh, sales team. Today, we have so many inquiries and so many projects to do that we decided to close the sales department. Okay. Because we cannot keep up with the realization. Perhaps this will change this approach uh, when we release the products I mentioned, Box One. Uh, of course, it took many years to uh, reach today's uh, situation and uh, required confirmation of our competences on the market, which is still covered by few companies. Uh, this little number of companies is because of high level of competences, knowledge, experience that is required for machine learning projects. Sure. So today we can still be alive without sales department. I think it's a very luxurious situation for you guys. So my question is, uh, do you get inquiries from Poland only or is it uh, all over the world or maybe in Europe? Uh, we usually build our systems uh, for the companies from the whole world. Not very often for Polish companies, even that they are in Poland. Sure. Cooperating with Carl Zeiss Group, we've got obviously much more uh, projects abroad. Uh, today, to be honest, we've got, I would say, 50% of our activities are for Carl Zeiss Group and 50 uh, for our previous or uh, today's customers, which are uh, not connected with Carl Zeiss. Sure. So, 
I'm not very, let's say, happy <laughs> for this because uh, it means that Polish companies are still not, I would say, are not ready for such a high-level machine vision systems. Our customers ask us to build something which is really customized for them uh, when they have problems to buy similar solutions which can solve the problems on the market. That's why we are building such a complicated systems. Uh, it means that Polish customers, potential customers are one step back, but it changes. So machine vision markets every year is growing, not uh, a few percent, hmm. much, much more. Okay. All right. In that case, let's uh, try to go back in time a bit. Uh, I'm curious about some of your first stages when you were starting out with the company. You said already that the actual reason for starting out Optinav was a project for medical purposes. So my question is actually, what was the first big thing when you knew that it's actually the good path when did you get the feedback from the market that you're doing a good job? I'm curious about, you know, maybe the first big contract or the first big customer um, case study or something that could be helpful for a young company or maybe less experienced entrepreneurs. Unfortunately, that wasn't medicine or the PT because we we was really focused first few years, actually many years in this area. I think that for the first time I had such a feeling when uh, we want to tender for the development of a network simulator to catch uh, space debris in a clean space project for uh, European Space Agency. Mm. Uh, okay. Once again, it was when we got to build eight systems for Tesla. Uh, those systems were uh, precisely measuring the position of robots, controlling uh, quality in the production of new Tesla 3 model. Okay, so that's interesting. That's my impression. That, that so could you could you tell us a bit more about the first one? You know, the the one about the European Space Agency. Was that something very difficult to do? Uh, the level of difficulties was quite high because we had to to build the simulator of the net. The problem during such a development when you have to uh, to prepare a simulator is you have to feed such a simulator with the data. Uh, the question is how to collect such a data. So uh, we prepare the net, one square meter net, and during the parabolic flight, microgravity, mm -hmm. we collect the data from four cameras, 185 frames per second. So 185 times per second, we check the position of every single uh, crossing point. Uh, so when you can imagine you've got uh, 10 uh, columns and rows, you've got 100 uh, points and you you have to keep the information about the X, Y, Z uh, 
position of every single point. Mm -hmm. So it's quite easy when the net is open. Sure. When you throw the, the debris, uh, which means useless satellite, the net is, you know, is just bending, is crossing. So the, the clue is how to recognize which uh, points is uh, from which column and, and row, you know. So finally we found the solution. We painted every single string of this net. So there was some kind of code, color code inside this net. And our algorithms uh, recognized the position uh, knowing this code. So quite interesting, <laughs> you know, approach. Uh, my engineers uh, was really proud <laughs> when they found sure. this approach. Well, I'm, I'm sure it was quite difficult just by hearing the story. And it was only 20 uh, shots. Sure. Every single shot uh, lasts something like 20 seconds. Uh, so 20 parables. And finally, we had about 15, 20 terabytes of data. Sure. So huge amount of data Absolutely. to analyze. So how did it end up then? Was there any follow-up after you've prepared the um, uh, simulator? Did they create some kind of solution for debris collection in, uh, in a space? Or was it just first attempt to understand, is it actually possible? So. As I know well, the final solution is still in front of us. Uh, ESA, NASA, and every uh, space agency in the world are working still uh, on this. So, and what about your cooperation with Tesla? How, how, how does it feel and how does it work out for you guys? Uh, this kind of cooperation uh, is because we are in the Carl Zeiss group, so Carl Zeiss opening uh, managed <laughs> doors for us, not only Tesla, BMW, uh, Ford, Audi, etc. Uh, as well. Uh, finally, Tesla wasn't, uh, let's say, the perfect story because uh, we didn't finish uh, what we planned. Uh, actually, I would say that that's why uh, Tesla shares uh, was going down a few years ago because of our problems. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay, I see. <laughs> uh, but to be serious, uh, with the knowledge we had at that time, uh, we wasn't able to build so quickly eight systems, uh, difficult system with the accuracy uh, on the level of 0.1. So we had many problems with calibration. I hope Tesla will open again uh, this robot cells for us and we'll have the opportunity to, to, to calibrate it once again, just to, uh, you know, to give Tesla perfect solution. Right, so it seems like, you know, uh, there are ups and downs when you do difficult technology research and develop products based on that research. What's the most difficult about running a technology company? Is it purely uh, the technical side or is there something more difficult for you? I would say that the biggest asset of such a company are people. 
So the biggest challenge is to find them, to invite them to cooperation, uh, their development, and to keep them as efficient as possible. So we must be careful not to overload them with the number of projects. We must be careful uh, that the projects are interesting and uh, change from time to time. People most often need, uh, as a first point, self-development. Second, uh, certain flexibility of work. And on the third place is the level of salary. So, for me, people are the most important. Obviously, we must also pay attention to the level of, uh, of projects complication uh, versus the time of its development. It is difficult to estimate things that nobody in the world has built yet, so we make mistakes. Sure. The clue is not to underestimate too much. <laughs> we have to keep our cash flow in good condition. Okay. That's simple. All right, that's that's very interesting because not so many people go after the well-being of their employees or work colleagues. I mean, I'm in that camp and from this side I would say congratulations and you know, thanks for doing the work you do so far uh, from perspective of your colleagues obviously. Um let's now move to something else. I'm interested what components are required in your opinion to be considered when it comes to a company mm -hmm. so to be considered as an investable company what would you say there are only two logical reasons why companies are both you have a market or you have a technology you must have at least one of these things so you have to focus on one of them that's my uh, let's say observation that's my point of view <laughs> okay so if i would like to dig into some more details now at which stage or what time your parent company right now came to you and said listen we would like to buy you what was the triggering point do you remember that absolutely i remember uh, because that was quite a difficult time when we suffer because of lack of money. So obviously we didn't have a market, we had technology. Our technology is the marker, a special marker which is patented by us. There is a special, let's say, pattern inside the circle and still uh, we don't know precisely into what, what kind of product we can you know, put such a technology. So the goal was, let's try to ask who is interested in such kind of technology. And we decided to, uh, to put the last money or to invest the last money in the exhibition uh, called uh, Vision in Stuttgart. So we had really, really small booth, like two, maybe three square meters. Uh, without uh, the furnitures, so I put my laptop on the chair, put three cameras on tripods and the marker uh, on the floor, the cameras looked on that target on the floor with our markers and that's it. I see. Uh, so, and uh, 
we planned to prepare uh, the simple gift for our visitors, uh, like a pencil with a, with our marker. We tried to build the software which can recognize the letters uh, you are writing using web camera, but finally we didn't have time to do it before the, the, this exhibition. So finally we've got only the stickers with our markers. And uh, one of my colleagues just quickly prepared simple software. The simple software gives us only the information about the position XYZ of the markers with the normal vector. Okay. Every single marker uh, with different ID give us different color. Uh, and when you put in front of the camera two different markers on the display, you can observe the distance, changing distance in between uh, those markers. So having such a stickers, I decided to put for every visitor stickers, you know, on the jacket. Okay. And finally, many, many people were just walking with our markers and many others asked them, what's this? So uh, we've got finally many uh, new visitors because of such a simple approach. And the second uh, quite uh, funny story is that um, it was good enough uh, for Kalsak engineer who, who visited us and he just invited us uh, to Kalsak's headquarters to test our technology. Okay. And during this test, their absolute accuracy wasn't perfect, but the repeatability was still on the same level. Very. A very high level, but uh, Carl Zeiss engineer uh, decided that uh, simple mathematics uh, correction influence on, on the results to clean the systematic error. And he can see huge potential in this technology. And that was the first step when Carl Zeiss uh, started the acquisition process. Very, very quickly. Congratulations, then. <laughs> it seems like it was a very uh, risky situation for you. It's it's not that you're lucky, but... Uh... Absolutely. You know, very often in the history of Optinav, we really suffer uh, of lack of money. <laughs> so that, that was, I suppose, the, the last shot. Really? So... Um... How much did you learn about running your business since the acquisition? Has anything uh, changed dramatically? Could you give us some examples? I've learned a lot. <laughs> First of all, I learned that working in a large organization uh, in which uh, 25,000 people work has its own rights. The speed of decision-making is completely different. Uh, I also learned that the level of understanding of what you are working on uh, is different. The business model at the level of the subsidiary company uh, is different, but the headquarter can see more from the perspective of the whole organization. Not always what is good for one project is good for the whole organization. Uh, technologies also changes and you have to be flexible. Even your technology is good, it may be too early 
too late or the technology product does not fit the strategy of the whole group. Another point, areas that you didn't even think about could be very important for the group and uh, your small organization becomes crucial in this area for the whole group. Suddenly taking the leading role. So many, many Brilliant. Brilliant. different lessons. <laughs> Thank you, Arik. I'm not going to uh, prolong this interview anymore. Uh, you gave me a lot of your precious time. Thank you very much uh, for everything. I wish you all the best. And uh, yeah, keep up with the great work you're doing. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. My pleasure. <laughs>